You're listening to The Nerd Table on CKCC Radio, starring Dan Peck. Have you seen the card for the New Japan show tomorrow? It's going to be sweet. Eric Flores. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, go ahead. And CKCC Radio's founder, Chris O'Mealy. Breaking news. I have a crush on Sasha Banks. Listen to CKCC Radio wherever you find your favorite podcast. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another fun-filled edition of The Nerd Table. I am Chris, and I am joined by Dan. Oh, hello! And Eric. Well, hello there! Uh, It's been a minute since we last did a Nerd Table. We we missed you last week. No, I'm so sorry. You know... I, I was talking to Chris about it, and I was just like, "Did, did I, was I on Nerd Table last week? I, f- I feel like everything was just kind of mashed together, and it felt like something was missing, and I couldn't figure it out until that Saturday hit, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I didn't do shit. <laughs> well, we didn't do a Nerd Table. We weren't going to do one without you. But I mean, we have before, but... Yeah, but we're at that point now where we, we're all kind of doing new stuff. So it's not really a big deal if we miss a week on this one because we've got content coming out everywhere now. Our YouTube channel is getting lots of content these past couple weeks. Yeah. I hope everybody's enjoying that. Uh, I, th- I think people are. Um, the patrons right now have two new episodes of Trivia Night they're enjoying, and those will be made public. Well, one will be public by the time you guys first hear this episode. The other one will be public the next day. Um, and I started my streaming challenge. First game in the book, 720-something to go. Nice. At the Super Mario World? Super Mario World, yep. Cool. It's a blast from the past. Uh, every Wednesday at 7 p.m., I'm going to be doing another stream. So... Twitch.tv slash online. I'll put the link in the description of the episode. If I remember to. But that is where you guys can tune in and watch. And I'm going to make that a consistent schedule. So I know that, like, not everybody's going to be available to watch at a certain time. But at least if I do it at the same time, we increase the audience chance. So. But uh, we got lots of stuff to talk about this week. We're continuing our tradition of celebrating the, the, uh, the decade we all grew up in. The 90s. We're going to talk about 1995 for episode 95, and then I've got a special treat for Eric for this week's episode, and he doesn't even know what it is. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, I got I got something for you that's going to be fun. It's actually, well, there's only two things I found so far that would be treats for you. We're going to do one of them this week. We'll save the other one for another time, but once you hear what it is, you're going to laugh. It's something that I know you're going to enjoy and appreciate. Uh, okay. But while we're while we're on the the topic of doing plugs here at the top of the hour here, um, yeah, uh, Chris and Eric talk. We'll record new episodes every Sunday night, and then they get released on that Sunday night. That is a YouTube exclusive, so you get to watch us on camera, and you get to watch Eric actually break me down with laughter, and he's very good uh-huh. at it. And we have That's friends. Funny word. <laughs> yeah, I do actually, uh, and uh, we're, we have friends joining us now. So 
You guys can check that out. Uh, the CKCC Video YouTube channel is heating up. We've got more content coming. Dan and I continue to do Trivia Night. We've been challenging each other with a bunch of quizzes. And now we're starting to look at people to come and challenge us. So that's something you guys can get in on. Check us out. CKCC Video is the channel on the YouTube. Check us out. And... I'm excited to announce that on October 28th, I will be making my return to Halloween Horror Nights. I've officially bought my ticket. And you know who assisted me with planning some of this trip so far? Any? No. EmersonCotton.IntelliTravel.com, Motivational Vacations, our friend Adrian Cotton been helping me out a little bit here so let's give a shout out to our sponsor and maybe just maybe i'll purchase a t a t-shirt from the shop ckcc store on redbubble and wear it to halloween horror nights and advertise the nerd table in full glory you should make a um a horror theme one before you go and yeah. we'll sell we'll just sell it around for halloween so just a picture of my face got it Okay. It's the scariest thing I can think of. Just just have a t-shirt that says taxes. <laughs> What's the scariest thing you can think of? Yeah, taxes. The tax man cometh. You owe money to the IRS. That is scary. I don't even want to talk about that, all right? You know, I, I've actually... Uh, I paid money to the IRS for the very first time in my entire life when I filed my taxes in 2017, 18, 19, and 20. But last year, I went back to actually getting a refund for the first time in four years. So I went four years of owing money, and now I'm getting refunds again. And that's Dude, nice. How do, you, how do you end up owing money? I don't know, because I don't change anything. So it's whatever the government and the IRS are doing. And if you want to make this into a political thing, I'll be banning my own topic, but it's just, it, it pisses me off. Uh, but yeah, but that's not a political topic that's not partisan. No, it isn't. The IRS is definitely not partisan. <laughs> 120%. The IRS will bust you for your not, not counting your illegal income. Exactly. We don't care how you got the money as long as we get a, a portion of it. <laughs> um, so real quick, I want to talk about some stuff that I've seen, that Dan has seen, and then we'll talk about 1995. So I have seen the Beavis and Butthead special on Paramount+. Plus. Beavis and Butthead do the universe or do the multiverse. I actually forget what the actual title is called. Uh, it's very entertaining, and it's a really fun return for Beavis and Butthead. I've also seen... Part two of South Park, The Streaming Wars, which dropped on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus is becoming my favorite streaming service, by the way. Funny, because I remember when it first came out, you said it wasn't worth it. Yeah, because it wasn't when it first came out. I'm like, this isn't worth it. And now they've, they've started picking up steam, and now I'm like, this is worth it. And after Stranger Things, I was like... I'm canceling Netflix until the last season of Stranger Things, in which case I will sign up, watch, and then cancel again. 
Um, real quick on the topic of Netflix, live action Yu Yu Hakusho. What are we thinking, Eric? I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm very nervous. I was gonna say, I know you're gonna have an opinion about this. I'm very nervous. Like, I want them to to do good. I really do. Uh, nothing's ever gonna top Dragon Ball as my favorite anime fandom. But I have to say, from top to bottom, uh, you and Matt were right. Yu Yu Hakusho was a good anime. Absolute good anime. Like, top to bottom, really good. Easily. I- I'm putting it right up there. I've always said probably Cowboy Bebop is the best overall anime, but I'd put Yu Yu Hakusho up, up right there with it. So, yeah, I'm a little nervous, too, admittedly, but I'm It's sur- just because live-action anime movie adaptations don't necessarily go the way we want them to. No. Look at the Dragon Ball movie. I don't really count that, though, because that was kind of its own thing. I'm I'm leaning more towards uh, the the outcry of the live action anime series that Netflix has done recently. I'm trying to remember exactly. Well, I, I'm trying to remember exactly which ones they've done that bombed. But I think Death Note I was. I believe the one. it's all of them. No, I, I I believe you're correct too. Yeah, they because like yeah, so far nothing. Even even when we try to do like the what's it called, the Last Airbender. Yeah, but again, I don't count that because that was an M. Night Shyamalan thing. I'm talking about these live-action TV adaptations that don't go anywhere. But I understand what you're saying. But then again, it could be like The Witcher. You're right. Could be. And I believe that the Uncharted movie was received pretty well. So we just have to wait and (laughs) see and pray... But I will say that if it bombs, I'll just I'll just continue pretending like it never existed. <laughs> it's I see people already being like, "Oh no, is it going to ruin my childhood or whatever?" Like people that talk about like how the prequels raped their childhood, and it's just like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" Okay, first of all, you still have those movies and TV shows. Okay, <laughs> you could just not watch the new thing and be okay. All right, now you're trying way too hard to use logic and common sense, so we need to stop right there. <laughs> That's like where you the problem. Lo- you Haka Show is your favorite anime or your favorite show? Period. Guess what? Those animes—they're still there. They're not going to delete them from existence and put in the Netflix live right? action one. They're not just going to like edited old movies and put in CGI where they shouldn't be. Guys, stop well, with logic. And- the original version still exists. Stop with logic. Just stop. You're 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 too smart right now. This this is not how it works. People need to complain on the internet about everything. <laughs> uh, so one of the things we're gonna do coming up here on a on a, a that upcoming trivia night is gonna be Power Rangers trivia because Dan has seen every Power Rangers ever to date. What? That's incredible. Which is, they're approaching their 30th anniversary, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I just watched... Netflix actually has taken over the, over the branding in the middle of the show Dino Fury. And we're halfway through season two, and we haven't had a new episode in several months. 
so. So, so what's the story on like the whole the new Power Rangers thing? Is it all one collective universe and there's just rangers all over the place? It's like a multiverse thing because there's a few seasons that are clearly in a different universe. Most especially like RPM where we have a a sentient program took over the world and there's only one city of humanity left. Which, by the way, RPM, the best Power Rangers series post-Zordon. Okay. See, I've always been worried about watching anything post-Zordon, but at the same time, I also know I'm missing out. So, SPD and RPM are the best, as I've said for several years now. Um, there's also one that ends with them changing what... They go end up going to defeat the bad guy. They end up having to go back in time. And they end what caused the extinction of the dinosaurs. So they're an alternate universe where dinosaurs are still around. Okay. And that is Dino Thunder, I believe. That was a few years that was a few series ago. Uh so yeah there's clearly there's some that are clearly in different universes. Um but Dino Fury is also about somebody that was around when dinosaurs went extinct. It doesn't have it's not as good as the last few, but uh, it still has like the heart and the feels. Does Power Rangers Dino Fury? But it's not done yet, so. Okay, I know you also. Um, I haven't finished Ms. Marvel, but I know you did finish it. You have any thoughts? Uh, well, it's I great. Don't want to talk about it till you're done with it. No, because I'm... there's something in the very last scene that is very important. Okay. Yep. yep. Well, that's good, but I've I've been hearing, well, at least answer this for me. I've been hearing from people saying how critics have been ranking things that it's the highest rated MCU project thus far. I can see where this is the most important project so far. Okay. As, like, the other Marvel shows have been around characters that have already been developed, and they're just developing them more. And this one is kind of, like, a fresh look at things. I could see why this one is is more important. Okay. Uh, and what else have you oh, watched, Dan? As a white man... They did very, very well with representation in that show. <laughs> but then again, I'm a white man. It's it's all inclusive. There's a white guy in there somewhere. There is a white guy. Oh yeah, that's right. This dialogue sounds a as token, there's a token white. In the... <laughs> this dialogue sounds as natural as a white man in a Spike Lee movie. Yo, can I get a slice of pepperoni? And he just starts growling. <laughs> Family Guy, anybody? Okay. Oh Jesus. Uh, Dan, what else have you watched? I watched Shorzy. Yeah, you watched something that I was really, really hesitant on. Yeah, because I was like, it's a side character. You never actually really see him. And that almost always backfires when they get their own little showcase. But no, the show fucking rules. Okay. All right. So just I'm going to go on record on this episode, episode 95 of The Nerd Table. Dan has convinced me to watch more Power Rangers past what I've already done, finish Ms. Marvel, 
And watch Shorzy. You heard it here first. Shorzy's six 25-minute episodes, so if you got yeah. two hours, you got it. Yeah, I think I'll do Ms. Marvel first, because I've already watched a few of those episodes. I just have to finish the series. Yes, because we need to, like, talk about that ending. All right, how about next week? I'll finish Ms. Marvel for next week's Nerd Table, which will be recorded in three weeks. There. <laughs> I'm just... I don't in know when August, it'll be recorded. Okay. See but. you in August. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's talk about the year 1995. We've done... This will be our sixth take on the 90s, because we are we did 90 through 94. So we're, this is the second half now. 90s are amping up. We're, we're older kids now. We're, uh... Let's talk about movies. Teenager at the end of this year. Jesus. Let's talk about movies. Um fucking great movie selection from Disney this this year. So this is the top five. So we'll go from five up, I guess. Number five! It's Ace Ventura When Nature Calls. It's the sequel! So this is an example. I, this is kind of like a, um, like the Home Alone sequel. Borrows a lot from the first, but does it in a good way. Whereas a sequel like The Hangover took too much from the first in a bad way. It's just like, how about we just go to a different country and do 90% of the same things? Yes, but again, it's still funny. So, good uh, Ace Ventura, completely different thing. He's looking for what's going on with the backwater. And has one of the funniest scenes in history. <laughs> when he's high, holding up in a fake rhino. Oh my god, that... That might be the funniest scene in all the Ace Ventura movies. <laughs> that scene is that scene still cracks me up to this day. Number four movie of the year for US box office. Disney's still on a run, but for me, I was turning thirteen soon and it was done for me. It was Pocahontas. I did not see this one in the theater. I didn't see this one for a while. I um, didn't see this in the theaters either, but it's still up there. And it's one of the better ones. So here's here's my take on Pocahontas. I mentioned this on the old Chris Ranks the Universe when I did all the Disney movies. Pocahontas would have been a much better movie if it had come out before the Renaissance. Because it felt more like something that was reminiscent of something we got from the Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians era. It's humans again. It was a victim of its own timing. Because it was following up three of Disney's all-time greatest movies, period. Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and The Lion King. And I don't think it lived up to those three movies. So while it was still very good in its own right, it was kind of hurting there. And then what came out right after it? My personal all-time favorite, Hunchback of Notre Dame. And what came out after that? Hercules. Pocahontas is just in a very unfortunate place and it I, really is and it's not the only movie that disney released that year that was just trumped by its own shadow no basically <laughs> you are correct and we're gonna talk about that but that's the thing right is it's a very good movie but you you can't you can't if you're watching them in release order like i did when i did that project you realize you're like damn Imagine if I had seen this before The Little Mermaid. This would have been amazing. 
I know people always always go, well, my problem with Pocahontas is it's not historically accurate. Yeah, you know what else isn't historically accurate? Literally anything else Disney has t- put out because they changed a lot of those grim fairy tales to make them family friendly. Guess what? They're also fairy tales, so they're not accurate because they're not real to begin with. Yeah, but I know I know what the point they were trying to make with that is. But they told a good story. And can't take this away, Pocahontas has a killer soundtrack. Vanessa Williams is the singing voice. Dude, the entire freaking run of the 90s Disney movies had killer soundtracks, now that I think about it. Yeah. Like, you see them? One of the best villains. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, one of my favorite uh, memes is, we'll talk about this more when we get to that movie, but it's a... it's just a it's just a movie about a guy growing up with monkeys in the jungle. The soundtrack doesn't have to be too crazy, and then it's Phil Collins playing a piano that's literally on fire. fire! <laughs> hey, Colors yeah. of the Wind won best original song, so there you go. All right, number three movie of the year, Apollo thirteen. Uh, Houston, we have a problem. Very good movie. Uh, very good movie, but also I feel like it's one of those movies where the memes and the quotes come out. They overshadow the movie itself, which is unfortunate. I mean, yes, but it also is a testament to the movie of how good it actually was. Yeah, I liked it. We, t- we talked about Tom Hanks just like not having bad movies, right? I mean, I'm sure there's something out there. Yeah, there's like <laughs> there's the movie where it was about D and D was is evil that he made that he started in. The, he goes, he starts playing a, a D an obvious D and D knockoff, and he gets so embroiled in the in the world that he starts thinking that it's the real world and doesn't know where the real world and the fantasy world ends. Wasn't that the scare back in like the seventies? It was a yeah, it was an eighties thing. Yeah, we're just like, oh, don't play Dungeons and Dragons. You'll jump off a roof thinking you can fly and die. Like, really? That's what you're worried about? Yeah. Number two movie of the year, Batman Forever. I like this movie, and I know people have issues with it, but I like this movie. I like it. I've seen it. It's probably the Batman movie I've seen the most, actually. Uh, yeah, possibly. So, when I saw this movie, uh, it was my aunt moved somewhere else in the Syracuse area, and it was at her local theater, and it was, like, one of the first theaters in the area that had, like, the cup holders in every armrest, and I remember seeing a movie with her one time there, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And then freaking uh, we're my whole family's like hanging out at her apartment and she's like let's go to the theater and show the show the armrests and I'm like sure whatever and we go there and like I'm gonna go ask and see if they let us let us in to just go see the armrest because she thought it was so cool and I'm <laughs> like yeah sure whatever and I go and I just stand and I was like she's gonna get like told fucking no and she what they did is they bought tickets to the movie <laughs> Came back and said, yeah, they said you can go right ahead. And I was like, what? <laughs> and we go in, and I see that it's the Batman theater. And I'm like, oh, you're just going to tease me now, are you? And then they showed me the tickets. 
Man. Trolling before trolling was even a thing. <laughs> I I love it. Golf clap for your family. And they probably, like, they thought, like, man, he's just going to stand behind us and we're, he's going to know the whole time. But I was like, no, dude, you're going to get embarrassed. <laughs> I don't want to be around for you getting embarrassed and shut down. <laughs> perfect. That's awesome. I want to try that. Oh, man. All right. Well, it was 95, so. <laughs> yeah, things were looser back then. Anyway, number one movie of the year. Come on. Pixar's first movie, Toy Story. $150 million. Over 34 million tickets sold. That's nuts. I think I see today. The fucking shadow that casted for Disney. Because it, like, here are some other movies that Disney released that are, it, it, they're fucking fire, but, like, pale in comparison. <laughs> A goofy movie came out that, that same year. Yeah, we're going to talk about that when I do the rundown of of movies. But yeah, dude, yeah, seriously. Toy Wait, Story. Here's the comparison. Here's the comparison. Over 34 million, 34 million tickets for Toy Story. 8 million for Goofy Movie. And you know what? Goofy Movie rules. Goofy Movie rules. Yeah. And that's just it, though, right? Is like... Toy Story was historic because it was the first computer-generated movie of all time, so it had a lot of hype behind it. And it was from this new studio associated with Disney, so it already had that working for it. Filled with disgruntled Apple and Microsoft employees. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid classroom A113. But the thing is, like, despite how historic of a movie Toy Story is, it's also a great movie. We could do an entire episode of The Nerd Table just on the Toy Story movies and how great slash disappointing they are when we get to certain ones. We should, yeah. ju- we should just do that just because I want Dan to do another rant about Toy Story 4. <laughs> because the first... Remember the message string you sent me because you were watching all the Pixar movies because we were going to do... Before I decided to start trying Chris Ranks as a, as a YouTube concept... You watched all the Pixar movies, so you could do that episode with me. And now that I'm thinking about doing more podcasts like that, um, I'm going to get back into that idea. And you're just like, okay, so I'm going to watch all these Pixar movies I've never seen. And then uh, you're like, I'm watching Toy Story 4. And you sent me like, because you don't do like paragraph messages like some people do. But you sent me message after message after message of how this movie should never have existed. And I was laughing my ass off the end of the day it's a you know it's the story about what you know eventually moving on to do your own thing but like huh, toy everything st- in between toy story 3 was such a perfect period on a trilogy it didn't toy story 4 didn't need to happen but yet it did anyway so uh, powder go. was also released i don't oh, know if you remember good god powder powder was released all right, let's do. All right, I'm gonna start what? doing the rundown because one more, one more, one more, because this one I found very interesting because I I purposely went out of my way to look up Disney stuff. This is a Disney movie, right? Judge Dredd. 
Now, it wasn't released by Disney. It was released by Buena Vista Home Entertainment because it has that rated R. Close enough. It's just, it's one of their... It's one of their, uh, it's rated R, but it's still Disney. Alright, let's go do, let's go through the lineup here. So I'm going to mention this one because I know people are fans of it. The Tales from the Crypt movie Demon Knight came out in 95. On the 13th of January. Is that a Friday the 13th by any chance? Oh. That would have been cool. Movies tended to come out on Fridays back then, so that's what I'm thinking. Friday the 13th, Tales from the Crypt. Was Friday. There you go. Uh, there was a Gargoyles movie, The Heroes Awaken. Remember the Gargoyles TV show? We talked about Remember? it. Okay. Yes, we did. So, <clears throat> uh, one of my all-time favorite Adam Sandler movies, Billy Madison. That is a such a great movie. That's an all-time favorite. I love that movie. It's so funny. And it's the, it was really, that was really the main movie that launched Adam Sandler's character career. And then he released lots of good movies in the 90s and some ones that I'm sure we're going to talk about that will disappoint you guys when I put them down. You guys in the general audience. He's like an earlier version of like James Franco, right? Like he, sometimes he releases good movies for people and then sometimes he just makes movies for himself. Exactly. That's the best comparison you could have possibly made. I 100% co-sign. Yeah, I heard somebody mention it like five or six years ago. He's like, it's like one of those movies where like, they're like, well, I want to go on vacation to blah, 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 but I want to get paid for it. So we're going to make a shitty movie while we're there. Yeah. And that's been, anytime it's him and like a bunch of his friends, that's definitely what it was. That's what I'm convinced happened when Disney did those, uh, those like short movies in the forties, right? Like after they released Pinocchio and Bambi and, and Dumbo, then they had like those five mini movies and they did a uh, Saludos Amigos. And I'm like, I bet you anything. They're just like, how, how's a trip to South America sound? Let's just try to, let's just try to make an excuse for it. Oh, we're going to research a movie. Okay. Do you guys remember the Brady Bunch movie? Yes. No. Yes, the Brady Bunch movie. Yep, that came out in 95. It was very disappointing because all it did was rehash a lot of storylines from the TV show into a movie. Uh, it was it was disappointing. Disney also released Heavyweights with Ben Stiller. Kids go in a fat camp. And he's the villain. A movie called The Walking Dead came out in 1995. Wow, make me feel old, I guess. Well, The Walking Dead, the movie, would be uh, Prisoners of War in Vietnam in 1972. And it was not a very good movie. I just had to point out that there was a movie called The Walking Dead, and it's not what you thought it would be. Do y'all remember Man of the House with Chevy Chase and Jonathan Taylor Thomas? I know about it. <laughs> Actually, no, I, I did see it. I think I saw it in the fucking theater. <laughs> there you go. Did the I theater have cup holders? <laughs> that's the important no, question. No, this probably would have been the theater at Great Northern Mall, so probably not. How disappointing. 
You know, because once you've had cup holders, you can't go back. A cup holder in every, not every other, every every Yes, every armrest. Uh, how about Outbreak? I remember this was all over the place when it came out. The Deadly Matabo. What a great fucking movie that was. It made me scared of actually having a pandemic, and then the pandemic happened. It's like they knew. It's like they fucking knew. I just, you, you know, it, it's funny because back in 2020, I, when all this shit was going down, this was the movie that I referenced. I was just like, has nobody seen this fucking movie? Like, <laughs> Major Pain with the yeah. Waynes brothers. That's a and funny bam, movie. Bam Bam Bigelow is one of the followers that shows up. <laughs> and he Looney Tunes him in a fight. Of what was the name of that? Superhero movie that they did. The Wayne's Brothers? Like Blank Man or something like that? Blank, Blank Man, yeah. Fucking love that movie. Oh, I God. remember my favorite thing I heard about Blank Man is that uh, they would go, they were like doing the foreign junkets or whatever, and they'd be like, there's this one country where they, they can't say Blank Man very well, and it just sounded like they were pointing at all of them and saying Black Man. They probably did that for a reason. I, I feel like that that's something they would totally do. That sounds like something they would do. How about Tank Girl? Remember Tank Girl? I remember when it was being made and hearing about it. So like, you know, I remember Lori Petty from... I don't remember I liking of their it. Own. I remember watching it. I don't remember liking it. She's going to be in a comic book movie. It's Tank Girl. If you guys are fans of Chris Farley and David Spade, you can watch Tommy Boy. That's the best one they did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely yeah, I agree with that. Uh, if you guys are fans of Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, how about Bad Boys? Bad Boys Part Bad 1. Bad Boys. And there's Goofy Movie. All right. we I, I got to stop and talk about a Goofy Movie for a minute. This movie is so underappreciated that... If you haven't seen this movie and you consider yourself to be a Disney person, do yourself a favor and watch this. Because I think this movie has gotten better as I've gotten older. Yes, I liked it for the initial slapstick of Goofy's antics and everything. Now that I'm older, I can appreciate the actual father-son relationship dynamic behind the movie. Can you guys agree with that? Yes, and it's so much better as an adult. Like, I remember watching it as a kid... And now you watch it now, and it's just like your perspective fucking changes, yeah. which makes the movie that much better. It was, yeah, it's so good. I hate that it wasn't actually a Disney Animation Studios project, because if I was ranking it with all those movies, it would have been in the top ten. Yes, yeah, so it seems like even Disney was like not fully behind it, because they had the Toons Division do it. But it's, it's the best, when it comes to the Toons Division, it's the best one. Above and beyond. Above and beyond. I love this movie, and please, everybody, do yourself a favor and watch it if you've never seen it before, because it's so good. Uh, this is something I'm curious if uh, if Dan has ever seen. The Basketball Diaries with Leonardo DiCaprio. No, I have not. Okay. And we won't be able to talk about it then. It just seemed like one of those movies that would be up your alley. Uh, here's one I have seen while you were sleeping. Romantic comedy, not a bad one. 
It's Sandra Bullock. She's usually, if you're going to watch a romantic comedy with Sandra Bullock in it, they're usually pretty good. Friday. Hey. There it is. The first one. The first Friday. Uh, we'll be, we might talk about more, so. But yeah, it's, uh, I've seen it. It's enjoyable. How about uh, Freaky Friday? That also came out. Which one? This would be Did that Sh- come out the same year? This would be Shelley Long. Yeah, it, in fact, Friday came out on April 26th. Freaky Friday came out on May 6th. Not too far away from each other. Freaky Friday 95. Crimson Tide, Denzel Washington, Gene Hackman. If you like your thrillers. Uh, this was actually on television, but I watched the hell out of this. Stephen King's The Langoliers. Ooh, yes. And it's a very interesting story. It's kind of goofy, but I like the uh, the plot behind it. I think it's worth another rewatching these days. Okay, um, we didn't mention this because Dan was sticking to U.S. box office, but if you're doing worldwide box office, here's the number one movie of 1995, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Can't be mad about it. (laughs) Uh, It's, I still say the original is my favorite, but this one's like a hair below it. It's number two. Yeah, I love this movie. It's so good, and it it feels more like a direct sequel to that one than the second actual Die Hard did, because it ties into the first one. Really, really good action movie. Uh, don't don't sleep on these movies, y'all. Here's a movie that I think everybody has seen at least once and probably hasn't rewatched it: Braveheart. Because it's good, but it's also really long. <laughs> Because it's good, but also really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not one that I'm going to go back and, and rewatch over and over again. Dean it. Right. But the Casper movie, remember that? Yes. Do you remember Casper? Plenty of time. Who are you going to call? Somebody else. And Father cameo. Guido starts to she gets his head turned around. Oh, <laughs> Father Guido, that's, that's, that's the other best cameo there. Yeah, they're like back to back or whatever. Yeah, they are back to back. As Kerrigan is trying to send people to figure out what to do. Uh, The Bridges of Madison County. I'm just saying that because I know somebody listening would appreciate that movie. He's painter, paints the bridges, falls in love. How about Congo? Another Michael Crichton novel getting turned into a movie. It's, It's fun. It's worth a watch, I think. Talked about old Batman Forever and Pocahontas, which came out back-to-back weeks, according to this list. And then Apollo 13 came out right after that, the same day as Judge Dredd, and the same day as Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Forgot they made a movie. Oh, yes, they did, with Ivan Ooze. And it's not even canon. (laughs) It's not even canon, but it's good. Nope. For what it is, it's very good. 
They get the same powers, but in a different way. Yeah, they get him from Ninjor, which is not a good character. Ninjor! But if only the original cast had been there for this one. I had nothing against the, re- the this initial replacement cast because I did eventually like those characters. I mean, Rocky, Adam, and Aisha. Well, I always really liked Adam and Aisha, but not really Rocky so much, because he became the new Red Ranger, and the Red Ranger was always supposed to be affiliated as being a leader, and now he was second banana, because by this point, Tommy was the leader. And then you're like, well, Tommy had already probably taken over as leader from even Jason before then, but still. They were kind of... by that point, it was clear it was Tommy. Yeah, Tommy and Jason were always kind of leaders together, but then when this happened, it it was kind of weird, but... Uh, let's talk a little bit about Species, which is actually not that bad of a sci-fi horror movie. It's a good idea, right? It's like they send one of the, the alien comes and it's here to get its fuck on so it can have babies. Pretty much, and yeah. take over the planet. <laughs> well, Dragon Ball Z would have been a little different if that was <laughs> Piccolo has arrived and what is he here to do? Just unzip your pants. <laughs> so this is one of those movies that I swear was like a fever dream at one point and I'm like, did this movie actually exist? Oh yeah, it did. The Indian in the cupboard. The kid gets the, the magic kid, yeah. kid gets the magical cupboard, he puts his action figures in it and they come to life. I think I've seen the movie. I have seen it, but it's one of those ones, it's like the Mandela effect, like you kind of forget that it existed. And you're like, was that even a thing? I remember the book, like in first grade. <laughs> uh, another movie that I know I've seen, but I couldn't tell you anything about it, was the Chris Columbus directed Nine Months. Hugh Grant, Julianne Moore in a romantic comedy. I know I saw it because I saw it in the drive-in theater, but I don't remember anything about it. I just know that I've seen it. How about Clueless, the movie? What a gr- That's a fun movie. That's, that's like a teenage form. form it's fundamental fun. form, it's so formulating much fun. movie for people back then. Uh, they made a Free Willy too. Not as good. It never would have been. Do y'all remember the net? The Sandra Bullock thriller about the internet in 1995, and that the internet's evil. And the internet's try evil. To track you down and kill you. She you was kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not trying to track, track you down and kill you, but it's trying to make you depressed. I mean, the internet's always tracking you, and everything it sells you kind of gives you cancer. So maybe it is tracking us. We're all just going to die. Here's a movie I've never seen, but I've probably seen the trailer a lot because it was attached to a lot of Disney movies. Operation Dumbo Drop. What? I had it. I had the clamshell. Yeah, I never actually saw this movie, but I've seen the trailer a lot. Basically, it's during Vietnam and... A village loses its elephant, so it loses, like, you know, all its way to make money and stuff like that. And, yeah. And it's, like, the U.S.'s issue, so they send a group to deliver them a new elephant. 
starting to realize 95 was actually a good year for movies, and then I come across this one. On July 28th, 1995, a Kevin Costner movie was released onto the world. Yes. Which had a plot idea that was actually not a bad concept, but became one of the most infamous flops in cinema history, Waterworld. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is weird because worldwide box office it was the ninth movie of the year. Yeah, but it was it was a flop financially based on It made money. They, well how much they spent on it versus how much they actually made on it. They spent one seventy two to one seventy five and made two sixty four. It's not the biggest disappointment though. I mean the critics ragged on it. But I I don't know. Is it worth going back and watching and giving it a fair shake these days? Maybe I'll have to try. It won one award. Special effects? Oh, no, no, no. Not Academy. Oh. Did it win a Razzie? It won Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Supporting Actor, Dennis Hopper. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) It was nominated for Worst Picture, Worst Actor, and Worst Director, but... Hopper one. Good for him. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying I would accept that with pride and I'd actually like show up and give a speech. Well, I mean, that was like, uh, what's your face? Did the best and worst. Halle, Halle Berry, like won an Oscar the year before and the next year won the golden raspberry for Catwoman. Yeah. That's awesome. She followed up a Best act- Actress Oscar with the Worst Actress, Razzie. <laughs> uh, one of the best family movies of the 90s was Babe. That'll do, Pig. That'll yeah, I was, do. I was too old by then. It was good. Do you remember A Kid in King Arthur's Court? Didn't see it, but... <laughs> Saw lots of trailers for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Babysitter's Club movie. Based the one on with the Alex movie. Mack in it. Yes, that's correct. Uh, came out the same day as the Mortal Kombat movie of 95. Right. I forgot there was a Mortal Kombat movie back then. Yep. That one was alright. Yeah. But a much better one has been released since then. Uh, let's keep going down the list. I'm looking for something we can actually talk about here. So you haven't mentioned one, but it came out in November, so... Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> the Usual Suspects. Great movie. Very good. Dan and I watched that on our old movie podcast. One of now the best... a movie a lot of people would probably refuse to watch. Yeah, but it's uh, one of the best twist endings of all time. Because of who is the main star, and I believe who is, Stephen who is the director. Brian Singer. Singer and, Kevin uh, Spacey's in that. Kevin yeah, Kevin don't, a don't sit on these good movies just because of that stuff. Uh, remember Canadian my, Bacon? My, my entire life has been, I've been able to do artist versus art. Yeah, I still watch Chris Benoit matches. I'm going to address that on this episode, by the way, after we're done with 95. Because of the Jordan Grace stuff. I think I want to address that. But uh, Canadian Bacon... A U.S.-Canada war? Where the Canadians play the Americans and the Americans play the Canadians? Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's the gimmick. 
How about Empire Records? Another one of those uh, coming-of-age comedy dramas. Never seen it. Never seen either. It's good. It's good. It's worth it. Seven. Another great twist. Another really good drama. Well, it's considered a horror, thriller, and mystery, and it definitely hits all three. Yes. Ah, such a good movie. Um, I, I still prefer Silence of the Lambs, but I saw Silence of the Lambs in seven, like, at the same time. It was one of those, I'm going to watch these great movies I've never seen before, period. And I was, I ended up preferring Silence of the Lambs over Seven, but I always, like, lump them together as a result of the fact of how I watch them. But it's so good, has such a great twist, and it has an amazing buildup. Really, really worth watching if you've never seen it. One of the best mystery movies of all time, I'd even say. And then, of course, there's Showgirls, which I think everybody has seen at least once, just based on its reputation. You know, especially when you're a young kid hitting puberty, and you can legally watch this movie because your father's watching it. The one chick from Saved by the Bell gets her tits out. (laughs) Good old Elizabeth Berkley. Uh, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers was unfortunately released upon the world this year. And the Halloween movies never really recovered from that. But the the new series has been good, and I can't wait to see the new one. Uh, Let's keep going down the list here. Get Shorty. Remember Get Shorty? Yeah, and it got a, a sequel, like... 15 years later. Yeah, 15 years too late, of course. On October 20th, 1995, the world was given Mallrats. Nice. One of the best. How could Clerks possibly be any better? Well, here's Mallrats. I can't so believe this. It's clearly of its time. Mid-90s? Like, that movie couldn't have been made any other time. No. <laughs> yeah, that is 100% true. But that's, that's you can say that a lot about a, any Kevin Smith movie. True. And I'm so friggin' amped for Clerks 3. I love it. So amped. I was like, you know, I'm gonna watch this anyway. I'm interested anyway. But like, I watched that, the preview and I was like, that is genius. I don't want to get shot. What if there's a sequel? What do I look like, a hack? And then you see Silent yeah, Bob just nodding. Is Randall has a heart attack, you know, like Kevin Smith had a couple years ago. And he realizes he's done nothing with his life, so he decides to make Clerks 1. It's, they're making Clerks 1 and Clerks 3. So meta. It's awful. So meta. Memba home for the holidays? <laughs> I remember. Is that the JTT one? He is not listed in here. It's Holly Hunter, Robert Downey Jr., Claire Danes, and Bancroft. I don't see JTT, unless I just forgot him. Different movie, then. All right, there's Ace Ventura, When Reckless, or When Nature Calls. And here's the movie I knew Dan was waiting for me to talk about. I found it. Came out on my birthday, November 17th, 1995. 
a little movie called GoldenEye. James Bond making a triumphant return to the 90s with Pierce Brosnan, which completely rejuvenated the series and eventually led us to the Daniel Craig movies, which have been, well, they've ranged from entertaining to legendary, depending on which ones you're watching. Uh, This is probably Brosnan's best of the four it is. Each one is worse. Each, it, it kind of, it's kind of just a downhill spiral from this here. Straight downhill. Uh, we started is, it as one of the top five, probably Bond films. I mean, before. Well, this is my I first. Mean, this is my first Bond movie. This is the movie that got me into James Bond. I think it might be my first Bond movie I saw beginning to end. And I was like, "Oh, cool! Like, are there more James Bond movies?" And my buddy who introduced me is like, "Well." There's 17 of them, my friend. And then I watched, that's how I watched Goldeneye, or um, uh, Goldfinger and Thunderball, which became two of my favorites. And then I didn't see a lot of the the Roger Moore Bonds, and I didn't see any of the Daltons. But I saw most of Connery's Bonds until I finally started getting more access to material like this. But damn, this is such a good movie. Uh, but of course, GoldenEye's legacy will not be remembered as the actual Bond movie, but more for the Nintendo 64 game. Which is considered by many to be the greatest first-person shooter of all time. Kind of hard to argue that, actually. So. Anything else you want to say about GoldenEye, Mr. Dan? Mr. Peck? So I said, it's, I think it's top. <laughs> well, is it top five still? I don't know because I'd have to go back. And really Mr. Watch Craig it. is, I think, put out three, <laughs> at least two of well, the best of all time. I, I Casino Royale and Skyfall are my favorite yeah. Craig movies. Yeah, the other three are... I like to varying degrees, but those are the legendary ones. Because like Quantum of Solace is the worst one. But that's only because it was a victim of the writer strike, so they made up for it by just having a ton of action. So it's a popcorn flick. It's not a good movie. It's also like movie, twenty but... minutes shorter than the next shortest Bond movie. Yeah. So I mean, it's got it's got the action to make up for it, and I freaking appreciate that. Uh, another great movie that came out right around the same time was Casino. Uh, this is one. Don't sleep on this one, guys. If you're into crime dramas, plus the cast is phenomenal too. It's a De Niro movie. It's a Scorsese movie, so really, really good. Definitely worth your time. And then let me get through the uh, the end here. Uh, Father of the Bride Part 2, that didn't happen. Yeah, that's all good. Eh. Sense and Sensibility. at the same time, and they both had the baby the same day. Sense and Sensibility came out. Uh, we got Jumanji. Classic. We got Heat. That's Pacino and De Niro. Classic. Yeah, man. One of them is the bad guy. One of them is the cop. <sighs> Balto. One of those... Oh, that's a Disney movie. No, it isn't. Is it? <laughs> uh, Dracula dead and loving it. Mel Brooks back at it. Grumpier Old Men, the sequel to Grumpy Old Men, which is still pretty damn fun. Uh, JTT... As the we had Tom and Huck, that was JCT and what's the hell is his name? Brad Devin Ren- Sawa. Yeah, was it Devin Sawa? Brad Ranero. 
Brad Renero. Yep. Uh, Twelve Monkeys. More science fiction. Oh, yeah, that's like uh, Terry Gilliam. Yep. Mr. Holland's Opus, the Richard Dreyfus classic. And the cinema's greatest flop, Cutthroat Island. The 1995 Swashbuckler movie that was the greatest flop of all time, financially speaking. So, kind of kind of a shame. Doesn't seem like it's really going to be a bad movie, but I've never actually seen it. But because I'm doing the Play Every SNES Game Ever Challenge, guess what I'm going to have to play at some point? Cuthroat Island for the Super Nintendo. At least I won't have to play Waterworld for the Virtual Boy. <laughs> Imagine playing anything for the Virtual Boy. No, I can't. Fuck Yeah, no. Cutthroat Island, 92 to 98 million. Made, 10. <laughs> yup. What a disaster. All right, Dan, what were the biggest musical hits of 1995? Number five was Unbended Knee by Boys to Men. Mm, okay. Number four was From Batman Forever, It's Kiss from a Rose by Seal. That's a good song, though. Apparently, it's a song he's had forever, and they only got to finally release it then. And it was a moment in time. Kiss from a Rose. But I still like that song to this day. Yeah, it's a good song. comes on the playlist, I listen to it. Number two and three, this was when TLC ruled the world. This was when they were, like, on all that, like, half of the episodes. <laughs> they got Creep at three and Waterfalls at two. Mm-hmm. And the number one song of the year is also from a movie. It's Coolio with Gangsta's Paradise. Now, let's be honest. When it comes to Gangsta's Paradise... Weird Al's version is better. Yep. What do we all know about Gangsta's Paradise? I know that it was parodied by Weird Al in a very infamous moment that Coolio has since said that he regretted. So, yeah, apparently... See, now, Weird Al doesn't have to. It's been a law for a very long time that parody is legal. Yep. And you don't have to do anything. Uh, but Al always asks permission. And apparently, Coolio's people and the label said, go right ahead. And they never asked Coolio. So he was a little butthurt about that, but they've made peace since then. Okay, uh, Weird Al trivia time. Who is the only artist to have consistently turned Weird Al down? I, I know this one. What? There's been Who the one fuck turns him down. A matter of fact, if he ever like consistently, uh, not that I'd make sense. Consistently turn him down. Consistently, yep. every time. It's actually, Weird Al who asked. he went to first before he went to Michael Jackson. Yeah. Do you it know? It was. It was Prince. Yep, Prince. Prince is the one. No fucking way. I feel it like might even be in the movie. I was a celebrity, and Weird Al wanted to like make a parody of one of my songs. Yeah, but I'd we're be talking like, under before one he did the Michael Jackson songs. This is so he was like nothing. 
<laughs> he had maybe the first album out. Oh, okay. When, well, when he released White and Nerdy, freaking Chameleonaire himself posted the video, and he's like, "Guys, check this out." And he was like, "This is awesome." Dude, I would totally do it. Uh, I would. I would be like, "You can have my music under one condition: I get to be in the fucking video." That would be. My, that, that, that's exactly what I would say. I'm like, okay, but I'm in the video. Um, who was it? Uh, he one of his one of his polkas. He wanted to try to work in photograph from Nickelback. They gave him permission, and he couldn't work them in, so he just dropped it from the from the polka. But he still credited them in the in the in like the discredits and everything because they did give him permission. That's what kind of guy Weird Al is. That's why he's the best. Right, you want some other songs from 95? Um, this was a big year for hip-hop. For for sure. This is how we do it. Montel Jordan. Remember that song? Yeah, dude. This is how we do it. Also, Mr. Boombastic. Nearly fantastic. Shaggy. Those oh. two songs came out in the same fucking year? Yep. How about uh, Always by Bon Jovi? That's a great song. That's one of those Bon Jovi ones. Don't sleep on that. That proves that he can really write strong love songs. I'm going through the list here, and I'm not seeing a whole hell of a lot of stuff that I personally liked, but December by Collective Soul is a pretty good song. Oh, yeah, Collective Soul is good. I still have that on my playlist. Yeah, this was definitely a hip-hop era, because that's all I'm seeing on here. Like, this was like, yeah, the big, this is like the East Coast, West Coast. Beef. God, Tootsie Roll was still charting in 95. Oh, my God. Come and I get like your content love. content wasn't coming out as fast as it is now. Um, yeah, you're probably right about that. Oh, this was the year we got Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me from you 2 Yeah, because that was also in, in Batman. Batman Forever, right? Oh, Good from Better Than Ezra came out this year. One Hit Wonder. Oh, that was good. 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 It's a good song. Good. Oh, my God. Cotton Eye Joe was 95. Yep. That song was everywhere. And uh, Misery by Soul Asylum. But yeah, not not the greatest collection of songs that that would be in my personal picks here. If we were just doing it based on rock and metal, I'd probably find more stuff. But meh, we're almost at we're almost at the era of Human Clay, aren't we? That's like ninety seven, right? First jars of no, I mean the first. Uh... Well, Human Clay is the big Creed album. The first, the big, the one that the, the, the biggest, Creed album, right? well, it's the biggest one, yeah. All right, Dan, what are some new TV shows we got in 1995? Oh, man, we got quite a bit here. So Star Trek Voyager started? Okay, you're... I put that at the bottom of the list, actually. <laughs> That's what I was actually just about to ask you, because you've seen the Star Trek series. Where do you rank them? I would say Deep Space Nine is number one. This is, this is my list! Deep Space Nine. Next Gen... Original Voyager cartoon. There's a cartoon? That was the original cast made a cartoon years later. Huh. Okay. 
original series cast in a cartoon. Also, the year we started Xena Warrior Princess. Never got into it, but I've seen several episodes. I need I need to watch it because of it because now that I know all the people and all the behind the scenes stuff now because of all the Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell stuff I've read yeah. and seen that I need to start watching that and also Hercules: The Legendary Journeys. Yes, which was uh, the first or among the first. It's they're connected. Right, they take place in the same universe, right? Yes, and they have crossovers and stuff like that. Interesting. Okay. All right. For you uh, anime nerds, Neon Genesis Evangelion started in 95. That's a good one. Yes. That's a pretty good one, yeah. I need to go back and rewatch it. Because I remember watching it in sub, but I couldn't keep up with the action and reading at the same time. That's because... one you have to watch the dub first because too much is crap is happening on screen. You got to watch a dub version and then you can go back and get the actual subtitles. That's one I would actually say for sure. Also, kept starting in 95 was News Radio. Never seen it. I think it's pretty it's a good it's I think it's underrated. Because, like, it's, like, Dave Foley gets his, like, first thing after Kids in the Hall. Uh, Joe Rogan ends up on the show as the handyman. That's uh, on its own, right? Steven Root is in that show. And, of course, R.I.P. To the man, the myth, the legend, Lion- <laughs> Lionel Hutz himself. Uh, R.I.P. Oh. <clears throat> Starting in 95, Drew Carey show. My parents watched the hell out of that, so I've probably seen most of it, but I never, like, truly got into it. That was a, one of those shows where it was, like, a big thing for upcoming comedians who would, would, would have bit parts on it. It seemed like it was a pretty entertaining show, though. It went lasted quite a while. Also, 95, Goosebumps TV show. Uh, I remember being just so disappointed by the Goosebumps TV show because I was such a huge mega fan of the books. And they gave them, like, no money. To they, gave them, they, they had no budget. They cut way too much of each book to make it a half-hour series. And as the issue with all anthology series involving kids, the acting was really bad at times. So... I would love to see Goosebumps done as a film series. They did one a few years ago. No, yeah, but I mean, like, they did the Goosebumps movie, which had, like, all the cameos and references and everything. I mean, like, do each book as, like, like an a lengthy... Hour, an hour and a half movie. Like, yeah, exactly. Even a one yeah. hour would, would make a big difference and and do all the books. All 62 of the original run. And we also have the uh, Married with Children ripoff, Unhappily Ever After. Never saw it. And I've heard I haven't been missing much. It's one of those ones you either loved it or hated it. And now we have some sketch comedies. Mr. Show with Bob and David started. That's Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, right? 
Yep. And I remember... Do you want to know how I discovered Mr. Show exists? No. Because Bob Odenkirk and David Cross appeared on Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Oh, yeah. And And that's how I discovered what Mr. Show was. I I heard about it because there's a scene like in episode two or three of Arrested Development because... David Cross's character and Portia, De, Portia DeRoss' character are married, and they're going to go see a therapist. And it's Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> and they just start going into bits. <laughs> Love it. And I was like, they really work well together. Let me Google their names. I want to see more of them. <laughs> like, they had a whole TV show for like eight years. Really? Also starting in 95 was Mad TV. Mad TV was fun, but ultimately it was, in a lot of ways, it was just a raunchier Saturday Night Live. And yeah, I don't, and it wasn't, and it's hit and miss was a lot more miss, but those those hits, the hits are some great. bangers, yeah. all-time bangers. Stuart. Stuart. <laughs> Bonquiqui. And the, uh, the, the, the disturbing animation. That they would do the, the parodies of like Rudolph and Charlie Brown, and they also like because they were Mad TV, they would just be like, "Here's the latest Spy versus Spy." Oh yeah, and I I love Spy versus Spy. So it all worked out anyway. Uh, more for you uh, nerds that like the animes. It's uh, Dragon Ball. What about Dragon Ball? It's started in ninety five. You mean Dragon Ball Z? The original Dragon Ball is like there in the 80s. OG Dragon Ball is like 86. Um, or is this no, when even even Z was 89? <laughs> yeah, so I'm like So so is this when it came to America? That's what I'm thinking. Yes, probably. I'm thinking this is when it came to America. We got ourselves some Dragon Ball Z. Uh, let's see. The original run, April 26, 1989, till January 31st, 1996. And this is specifically about Z. So, 95, that sounds right, actually. That 95 would have been when the American, the American dub started. Like, because I think Ocean did the first dub and it was awful. And then Funimation took over and... They and that was awful. That was awful. <laughs> and then they released Kai, and they're like, here's what you've actually been missing. And you're like, entire plots are different with these translations. <laughs> so weird. Uh, but I yes. Think my favorite, like, I, I, we're probably going off topic a little bit, but, like, that's part yeah. of the whole fucking show, really. Shocker. Remember when Cell was like, hey, you know, fight me. If not, I'm going to blow up the planet. And there was an episode where there's these rich, like, white people um, selling spots in their safe dome where they promise them they'll be safe in there. Yes. And Gohan's like, you're not going to be safe in there. And he blows it up, and everybody's like, the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) He's just like, why the hell did you do that for? And just like, because if I could blow it up, he could definitely blow it up. I was just like, that fucking logic is great, but, like, all that stuff is ruined. Gohan's an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Dan's going to watch 
the Kai series because that's a great way. That way you can get the actual real dialogue. Uh, the only bad thing about Kai is you are going to miss a lot of filler stuff, and that is a filler storyline. But that's when we find out that General Tao's still alive. He's half cyborg now, and the second he realizes it's Goku, he nopes right out of there. He at first he's just like he was super nervous, and he's just like. Are you are you Goku? No, and he's like, oh, what a relief! I'm his son. Nope, <laughs> and he just <laughs> nope's right out of there, and that was so damn funny. The best part is Goku is you know in because that's when they were in their Super Saiyan form, trying to like b- make Super Saiyan a part of their everyday thing, and Goku's solving puzzle rings while General Tao's trying to cause his scheme, and there's like this random like Italian thug in like the pinstripe suit, and he's like. Uh, why don't you try doing that? Goku's like, hey, don't help me. <laughs> uh, some of the filler stuff I am upset that they cut. I am glad that they cut some of it. Like, like I think I think we've talked about this before, and we'll talk about it when Dan gets his first real watch of Z, but, like, they cut too much of the Gohan and Piccolo training from the early series, but thank God they cut all that Frieza Goku shit. Some I mean, of those episodes were just too much. No, everybody needs to suffer through that fucking Frieza Goku <laughs> shit. Everybody. If I had to wait what felt like an eternity for Goku to go Super Saiyan, so be it. Now you do too. They still keep a uh, they still keep a good chunk of it though. There is still a pretty good chunk of the fight in there. But they cut those filler portions when the anime caught up to the manga, and they were literally just like, all right, just stall the fight. You know what happened to me, right? I told you the story on, like, why it was, like, very fucked up to me. So I I started watching Z, and they keep... they, They literally would go to Tsunamic, and they would progress one episode, then rewind an entire fucking week... And then go back, and then, and then one more new episode. So I'm just like, this is some bullshit. So once they got to, like, Piccolo fusing with Nail, I was just like, you know what? I've never seen Dragon Ball. I'm going to watch all of Dragon Ball. Let, give them time to catch up. So I watched, I, like, watched all of it. Right? And we know the rules of wishing... We already know what happened to Krillin once. Right? Goku knows the rules. So when Frieza did and that... so do I. When Frieza did that to Krillin, I was just like, oh, shit. Like, he's gone, gone. Like, there's no bringing him back. <laughs> so I was just like... That makes it, and it made that transformation so much more to me before they were just like, nah, different balls, different rules. But like, you know, before that moment, I was just like, yo, Goku's going to kill everybody. <laughs> That's why if he you don't doesn't get let... fuck off that planet, everyone's dead. <laughs> Isn't that why he doesn't let Master Roshi fight? Because he's like, you've already been wished back once and because you can't duplicate wishes. But yeah. Yeah. Well, the Dragon Ball storyline is gets a little ridiculous at points, but then Super is so good. Like, I want Dan to watch Z because I want Dan to watch Super because of how much I fucking love Super. Super is great. 
Super also has a share of fillers. Yeah. Better nonsense. Yeah, but not as many. It's like True. Yu Yu Hakusho. Almost no filler. Uh, but another anime came to America in 95 that was also very good. Was it One Piece? No. No. All right. It was Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon was good. Ah, close enough. Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I just peaked really bad there. You might have to edit that laugh out. All right. Uh, what else we have? PBS staple, Wishbone. Never saw it because I would have been too old for it at that point, but I was very well aware of Wishbone. And My sister was watching it. Yeah. I did a very good job with that dog telling that classical dog. books and stuff. Yeah, it seemed like a pretty good concept. I would have probably enjoyed it if I was the right age for it. Also, Peaky and the Brain got its own show. What? Yeah, I remember that. The, the official oh, I did not know that. Yeah, the Pinky and the Brain, um, it didn't last nearly as long as Animaniacs did. Uh, the only the problem with Pinky and the Brain was they ran out of a lot of good material early on. But I will say this, that Christmas special brought me to tears. And that's, that's if nothing else, watch the Pinky and the Brain Christmas episode. I love the fan theory that Pinky is actually the genius. They just say one is a genius, the other is insane, but they don't specify which one. Pinky's actually the genius. And finally, back to anime. Mobile, Suit, Gundam, Wing. Watched it, never got into it that hard, but damn, was that good. Uh, video game sequels were pretty big this year. Uh, number one game US-wise, Mortal Kombat 3. That's that. I feel like that's where the original Mortal Kombat series peaked, right? Because then it was on a pretty bad downward trajectory until some of the newer games came out. That well, really it was good. crazy because, like, you know, first game you get, like, whatever. Second game you have, like, less people to fight with. Third game, it's everyone ever. Well, Ultimate. no, that was Ultimate. Ultimate 3, <laughs> I rented the hell out of Ultimate 3. Well, even 3 had almost everybody, but Ultimate yeah. 3 had everybody. Actually had everybody. Yes. 3... Did have everyone, but you need you needed to know the codes to unlock them. Even though a lot of them was just like literally stand over Sub Zero and hold up until everything unlocked, or something. It was something I, stupid. Like, like I had I had the code for Smoke uh, memorized at one point. Smoke. But also they changed things because that that was when the the robots came in in full force and. Sub-Zero gets turned on as his people try to make him a robot, too. Cyrax. Yep. The smoke gets got. Cyrax and Sector. Uh, these next games, Dan mentions this in my first streaming episode. So, uh, Donkey Kong Country and then Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest, were both top games that year. Donkey Kong Country series was crazy good. They're really Did hard, it, but they're really Diddy's good Kong Quest. Get it? Yep. Son of a bitch. <laughs> and then the fourth top game of the year, Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. 
which was a prequel, but a very entertaining game. That's one that I saw through to completion. Um, very challenging game, but a lot of fun. Yeah, if you're not good at it, it's very annoying because you're just constantly hearing Baby Mario cry. One of the worst things in video game history. But wee, wee, wee. And Fuck you, you too, Mario. And then the last thing you do is you beat the shit out of Baby Bowser. Oh, he was a shitty baby. <laughs> All right. And what were the top Christmas gifts of 95? It was the OG PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And we're starting the Beanie Baby craze, baby. Oh, God. Oh, the 90s when people learned that things were worth money if you collected them. But then they stupidly made too many, thus making them not worth any money when you collect them. Yep. It happened with trading cards and comic books and Beanie Babies. They're like, but if... But if Beanie Babies was just a fucking scam. But if this this one this Superman comic is worth a million dollars, so if I have ten of them, it's worth I'm worth ten million dollars. No, because for for you to have ten, everybody else in the world has one. So first of all, no one's gonna want to buy it from you because everyone else has one. Supply and demand. <sighs> I love how uh, supply and demand is the most. Basic economic principle in the universe, and to see how many people, corporations, and businesses get it wrong so often. <laughs> All right, so uh, real quick, I want to touch on the uh, the Jordan Grace Chris Benoit. Uh, Twitter thread here because I've been asked to give my opinion on it from a couple different people. Um, Jordan Grace, a female wrestler in Impact Wrestling, basically went off on how Chris Benoit could not hang with today's modern wrestlers and then said he should burn in hell. Doubled down on her comments about what a scumbag he is for the incident and everything. And by the way, we just passed, this year would have been 15 years since the Benoit incident. And eventually was basically forced to apologize because of the horrendous backlash that she got from it. Now, I've heard a couple of things about this, and here's my take. Number one, if you can't separate Chris Benoit, the man who killed his family, from Chris Benoit, the wrestler, that's fine. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to hold on to his legacy, watch his matches, etc., etc., I'm not going to force anybody to do that. What I'm saying is I've been able to separate him. So when I talk about a great Benoit match, I don't need the commentary from people who haven't been able to differentiate. I get it that you can't, but I can, and I'm going to talk about it in that way. Plus, we also don't know what happened with that situation anyway. Everything we've heard about him was that his brain was not functioning properly anymore and hadn't been for a while. He did something that probably wasn't the actual person that he was. and Probably you, why he ended it by killing himself. Probably why, exactly. And we're, the, the, the truth is, we're just never going to know. What he did was horrible, though. And I'm not ever going to condone it, support it, defend it, anything like that. What I am going to defend, though, is that 
when it comes to watching great wrestling matches in history, I'm not going to skip stuff that he's in because he's in a lot of great stuff. And I'm also not going to tell people to go back and watch his stuff if they have an issue with it because that's not my place to judge how anybody else handles these situations. But I also didn't know him, didn't know his family, don't know the true situation, and neither did she, which is why she basically came out and said it. Where everybody was having an issue was that she was claiming that top wrestlers of today, he couldn't hang with them, and I thought that was kind of a crock of shit. Because I'm like, yeah, he okay, could have. So first of all, he'd be 55 now? Yeah. He, which like, means he'd be retired? People, people miss. is like, they don't mean the Benoit from 2005. <laughs> It would be, if he was still alive now, at 55, he'd probably be running a school at the most, probably. All right. I've got a surprise for you on this episode, Eric. Oh. Something I've been wanting to do for a while now. So, I went ahead and found a Twitter thread called Crazy Vince McMahon Stories, and all of them are verified to be true, I believe. Oh, jeez. Okay. All right. Well, I know how much you love Vince McMahon's stories. I know you've told a couple of these before, but, like, this is where things like this get fun. <clears throat> so, uh, Dan can help me verify some of these stories from the past, and we'll read as many as we can in the time we have left. Okay. Vince hates sneezing. When someone yep. sneezes, he yells at them and tells them to control themselves. On the rare occasion Vince sneezes, he angrily mutters to himself and loses focus for a few minutes. He's for a few minutes? Yeah. He believes that you should be able to control that stuff. And he gets mad when people don't have control. Okay. What a weirdo. All right. <laughs> Uh, Vince once raced former WWE writer Court Bauer on an open highway. Vince boxed in Court, so Court was heading straight for road construction. Court had to slam on the brakes to avoid an accident. Vince sped off having won the race by almost killing a guy. I can see that. I can honestly see that. <laughs> this is confirmed. That's I confirmed. Mean, he did win, though. That's all he cares about. That's all he cares about. Vince went bowling with an NBC executive. The guy had done something Vince didn't like. Since they were bowling, they were wearing bowling shoes. So Vince sneaked off, got the guy's real shoes from behind the counter, tossed them in the garbage, and left. Guy had no idea where his shoes were and had to go home wearing the gross bowling shoes. Vince contacted him later and said, That's what you get, pal. The guy wrote a book and said that Vince was the biggest jerk he'd ever met in real life. Wow. So the story I heard, it was uh, Dick Ebersole's birthday party and Frank DeFord, the sports writer, was the guy who got his shoe stolen. I feel like that's something you do to like a, a, a prank to a good friend, but you don't let him leave without his shoes. Yeah. Like I wouldn't throw him in the trash. I'd hide him and be like, oh, well, I guess you're walking home. And then when you get outside, like, here's your shoes. <laughs> and there's your shoes. Uh, Vince, as a prank, had real police arrest Jonathan Coachman for running a betting pool at work. 
Coach said that when the cop car finally turned around and brought him back to WWE headquarters, he openly wept in relief and rage. Uh, John, the coachman, yeah. told that story. That's a classic prank that people would pull back in the day is they'd, uh, they'd get the cops to go along with it and then they'd, quote unquote, arrest somebody and then turn out it was all just a big prank. It, it was a yeah, it was a after, football pool. After they forced him to run the betting pool. Yeah, they're like, we want you to run the football betting pool at work. He's like, okay, so he did it. And then they, and he said that when Vince, Vince was like flipping out on him, it was like the, the Mr. McMahon, like angry rage Vince, like screaming at him. And then of course, when he came back, he just pointed and laughed because that's what he did. Jesus. Uh, Vince well, got, wait. seems spot on. I like his pranks. Well, it's a classic prank. It's not like a Vince prank. It's a prank that True. a lot of guys have pulled back in the day. Uh, Vince got wasted at a strip club and let the Hart Foundation hit their finisher on him, and they hit him really hard. So yeah, Bre- after LOD whipped whooshed out on hitting their finisher on him. So Bret Hart told the story in his Hall of Fame speech that they're at a bar, and Owen's in town. He's showing him a good time, and Hulk Hogan's there, and he's stirring everybody up, and he's got the Legion of Doom being like, oh, yeah, we're going to hit our finishing move on Vince, and everybody's like, oh, I, I got to see this. And they kind of did it in, like, a, a light little way and caught him and everything. And then Jim Neidhart, Brett's tag team partner, goes, you know, the Hart Foundation would have done it. And Brett's like, crap, I got to get out of here right now. But he said before he could, he realized that Neidhart had Vince up for the finisher. And they're like, so what are you going to do? So Brett said, okay. So he hit him. But he hit him, like, full on, full on force. Also, it was the day they announced drug testing policy. So this was their last chance to party. Pretty much, yeah. So it was their last hurrah. <clears throat> Former 90210 writer Larry Mullen joined Stephanie's creative team. They're in a meeting with Vince. Vince is talking. Larry's nodding. Stephanie pulls Larry out of the room and tells him, you need to stop nodding. Vince hates nodding. If there's one thing Vince hates, it's a yes man. Which, of course, is extra hilarious because everybody said Vince was always surrounded by yes men. Larry quit after just a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, let's find some other funny ones here. Vince was hesitant to hire Gail Kim due to her being Asian. Jim Ross convinced him not only because of her in-ring talent, but the fact that many men are attracted to Asian women and that there are even lots of Asian porn sites on the internet. This shocked Vince, who had never even heard of Asian porn. He had to literally show him a website. What? I don't know if you noticed, Ranch, but uh, Asian women are hot. Yeah, they had to show him the website. Uh, This story is great because I've heard Triple H tell this one. The McMahons are playing pool at their holiday home in Boca. Triple H and Stephanie against Vince and Linda. The fun family game turns into a serious competition because of Vince. Triple H and Steph kept getting lucky and kept winning. Vince is getting mad at Linda because she's making their side lose. Eventually, Stephanie pots for the win, and he cracks up and stalks off. Later through the intercom, she called him and sang, You're tied to the whipping post, Dad. And they could literally hear him screaming in anger on the other side of the house. Triple H told that story. He's like, it was stupid, too. Like, we were winning on dumb stuff, like table scratches, and Vince was flipping out. They said at one point, he literally just went outside and sat on the porch because he was so mad that he lost. 
Uh, Tiger Ali Singh complained to Vince about having to wear a turban and traditional Indian garb, telling him it was offensive to his people and a desecration. Vince replied, you and D'Lo are going to put on those fucking turbans. I don't care about desecration. That is, again, is a true story. (laughs) I want to know what this guy's childhood was like. Well, he grew up in a trailer park and got beaten up by his stepdad, so. Yes, and he claims he won because his stepdad died. Yes, that's what he claims. Well, Uh, I mean, one way of looking at it. JR once farted in a car with Gerald Briscoe, which made Briscoe start gagging and throwing up. Vince heard about that. So backstage at Raw one night, he tries to fart to make Briscoe puke. It backfired, and Vince shit his pants. He then had to go out to the ring and cut a promo. JR told all the production people in the headsets that they were instructed to keep the camera shots above Vince's waistline for the promo. That's just fucking funny. (laughs) And then word is he took his pants off, took his underwear off, and chased his friend Gerald Briscoe around with him. Yeah, if anybody had a weak stomach, people would fuck with them all the time. They did that um, when Chris Nowinski had his brain tumor removed. He brought it in and showed everybody, and Shane McMahon brought it to Jerry Briscoe, and they've got a picture of Jerry Briscoe doing, like, this big leap over the desk to get away from the tumor. That's funny. Uh, Let's see. Um, trying to find some of the there's a there's a lot of stories here. Uh, Vince thinks throwing or pushing someone into a swimming pool will fully close is the funniest thing on planet Earth. Jim Cornette told that story that uh, one, one time he bit on the hook and Vince pushed him in, and apparently this happened to everybody who ever went to Vince's house. He did it too, and he had then he like had to go home in Vince's clothes because all his clothes were soaked. Chris Jericho said he took a picture of Vince sleeping at an airport, showed the picture to Vince, and he demanded he delete it immediately. Uh, Vince, like, infamously doesn't sleep. He sees it as a sign of weakness. So, anytime, there's, like, no picture evidence that Vince is allowed to sleep. That's just fucking weird, dude. Uh, One time he got drunk and urinated on Ric Flair's hotel bed. (laughs) That might have been from the same night as the the Bret Hart thing. Uh, Paul Heyman was asked about Vince's competitiveness. Apparently Vince can grow a world-class thick beard, but he shaves constantly. So Heyman said, why don't you just let it grow out to save yourself the trouble? And Vince said, I can't let it win. Yeah. Like he's one of those guys that has an electric razor in his briefcase. Yeah. And he like, in like the back of the limo, he like shaves his face constantly. Can't let it win. Uh, Weird dude. CM Punk, Undertaker, JBL, Edge, and Vince were all rooming together doing tribute to the troops. So they're out in like whatever, wherever the war was, like Iraq or Afghanistan at the time. And nobody could sleep because Vince kept laughing at his own farts. Vince just kept farting and just cracking up about it. That's kind of funny. Uh, This story I know is true because we talked to the guy who wrote the movie and told us this is true. Uh, In the movie See No Evil, Kane's horror movie, Vince wants a scene where the character pulls out his penis and it's three feet long. (laughs) And they're like, that's going to get us an NC-17 rating, so we can't do that. Uh, 
Jim Cornette's at Vince's house. Vince, somebody had the cable company show up to work on the TV because the sound wouldn't work. The guy came up to Vince holding the remote control and explained to him what a mute button was. And that mute was on. And Vince gave him a $100 tip. Dude, Vince is an interesting character. He is. <clears throat> All right. Um, there's a lot more here, but I'll, I'll wrap that up for this one. Um, we're going to get out of here, guys. Uh, got lots going on, and we're, we're sorry that took us so long to get another episode out to you. But we're almost to episode 100, which is going to be a lot of fun. You guys looking forward to that? Sure. I am. Because aren't we doing the... Uh, yeah, we're doing it video? live. We're doing it doing live, that. pal. Uh, already did all the plugs, so there's not really much else to say. Uh, check us out, uh, Chris and Eric Talk. Check out me and Dan on Trivia Night. And uh, Sick Minds of Matt and Eric are back. You can check that out on the YouTube. And please support our awesome sponsors and our partners especially our friend tom dickinson on youtube the watch me cook channel and anthony blackwell jr with the iwep network that's all i got anybody got anything else uh be excellent to one another that's it we'll see you guys next time for another nerd table take care this has been another episode of The Nerd Table on CKCC Radio. Check out all the shows at CKCCRadio.com and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.